0: For more information on Ancient Dragon's Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit
1: our website. Uh, well, hello.
0: Good evening, everybody so uh my name is dylan torpav uh i'm uh i'm a member of the board here at ancient dragon i've been practicing here for uh, a couple years um, and what i'm talking about tonight is i i just took a uh a trip to green gulch to do their january intensive so i'm gonna give just a first a brief overview of what Green Gulch is as a place, um, what the January Intensive is as a container of of practice, uh, how the experience was for me, give a couple of uh, hopefully uh, entertaining little stories and um and then open it up for questions and uh and i'd love to talk with everybody um about about the experience um so uh first of all so what is green gulch so uh we are ancient dragon is in the uh Shinri suzuki lineage of soto zen in the united states and uh San Francisco Zen Center was founded by Shinri Suzuki, and it has three main practice centers, one being a city center in the, in the heart of the city of San Francisco. Another one is uh, Tassahara, which is more of a monastic practice center uh, in a little bit more of the wilderness of California. Uh, and uh, then there's also Green, uh, Green Gulch, which is the third practice center. And that's on Muir Beach. It's a few miles west of the Golden Gate Bridge, and it operates both as a organic farm and garden, as well as uh, a Soto Zen temple. And there are um, teachers and practice leaders and residents who live there. And uh, there's also, throughout the year, a number of practice periods and intensives that people uh, travel all over the world to go to. Um, so, uh, this was a trip that I had wanted to do for, uh, a long time. And, well, I mean, I've only been practicing for six years, so I should say probably more specifically, i wanted to do this for about two years, I'd say. And, um, uh, I was really encouraged and supported by folks to go, And the timing just lined up and circumstances lined up where the opportunity to go in January was um, made possible. Uh, And so I did. Uh, So at Green Gulch, um, I want to just paint a little bit more of a picture of what the place is physically. Uh, It's um, I think most of the square footage is really the farm. Uh, A lot of the fruit and vegetables that are grown there are used in the meals that are provided in the kitchen uh, in the at the dining center uh, and they're also sold in local farmers markets the place is really famous for its bread in particular Uh, it's it's kind of the the treat uh, during the day when you're holding out for waiting for snacks you're kind of waiting for the bakery to come out with a loaf of bread that's open use for everybody Um, and that was really good it felt a little bit funny to like make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches out of like this iconic bread and you're like you know making making pb and j out of it it's great uh there's also a lot of nature trails around it's very easy to I guess I want to say it's always easy to commune with nature or that it's always possible to commune with nature but Green Gulch really invites you to do that um both with uh it's sort of in this place that's not quite wilderness, but also definitely not the city. So there's, it's kind of in this liminal space where you're, there's, things are built, but they're built in a way that is uh, uh, very much in communication with the naturalness of the world, trees and the surrounding wildlife. Um, And it's really easy to go go out into the woods if you want to, um, and go out to the beach. There's a really beautiful beach right there uh, as well. Um, and so in addition to the farm, there's also a really rich Zen library, uh, a sauna, the restaurant-quality kitchen, uh, the dining hall, classroom, conference center, guest living quarters, um, it really kind of feels like a, a little bit like a college campus a little bit of like sort of, a um, if, if, uh, if Zen, if there was sort of a, a liberal arts college for Zen, this kind of feels like what it would be. Um, and I would say the heart of the place though is the Zendo. Um, it's, I think literally probably in the center of the, uh, of the of the campus and one of the entertaining parts of being there is there's lots of twisty turny winding paths that all can kind of get you wherever you need to go which I thought was a rich experience to kind of recognize that oh I I use this path over here and that eventually will get me over there actually like once you start to map out the place and get your handle on where everything is you kind of see that all these winding roads can get you wherever you need which uh, i really appreciated but they all also lead to the zendo (laughs) (laughs) at the same time like they all kind of find a way to get you to the central artery and uh that's one of the things that really delighted me so much about this place is a couple a couple days into sitting there i just had this really wonderful thought of wow this is a place powered by zazen like like you know as if it's like electricity or something like you know like some places are powered by wind turbines or you know power plants or coal or whatever but i started thinking about it and this is a place that's powered by zaza and and that was such an inspiring thought to me of what what a kind of what what a place like that is and how it operates um so uh, the Zendo I'll talk a little bit about the Zendo. It's called Cloud Hall. Um, it's where I spent most of my time or well I guess technically most of my time was in the guest room where I lived, but most of my waking hours were in were in the cloud hall. It's sort of a dorm room as well as a Zendo. Um, when you walk into Cloud Hall, there's about two floors worth of um, of the space that is uh, for Residents for people that either live there or are staying there uh for a practice period and uh and then there's the zendo itself which is uh bigger than our old zendo back at urban park it's bigger than this place i would say holds maybe 70 people comfortably and um it is like the whole place, it's really intimately interwoven with the surrounding nature. And this is partly due to I think how much of it is constructed with wood and, and that it's not very heavily fortified wood. It's very easy to hear what's going on outside. You can when you're sitting, you can hear hawks calling and owls and birds and uh rain. It rained a lot. I got there during uh, a, a A pretty historic storm, which was an interesting uh, fold of the of the story I didn't know if I was going to be able to actually get to Greenville, but so I did but um uh, lots of rain the first week or so uh but it was really easy to hear that um, which um was really soothing i thought um but you also feel what you you know you feel what it is. To be outside, even when you're inside. If it's chilly outside, it's kind of chilly in there. If it's warm outside, it's pretty warm in there. When you're doing King hin, they slide open these doors and um, uh, and the zendo, and the the air comes in, and you see the outdoors, and um, you become pretty acutely aware of how thin of a uh, how how there is a distinct separation between the inside and the outside, but it's not. It's, uh, it's not separate, uh, which is a common theme in Zen, this whole not separate thing. Uh, let's see. So I stayed in the guest house, uh, which was right by the sauna near the yurt where all the spare firewood was. Um, but my favorite place was um, the Big Bell, which I think is relatively new in the last couple of years. I think it was built in the 70s, but I, it looks like it's taken – you know, it hasn't it hasn't gone up until relatively recently, uh, within the past like six or seven years. Could be wrong about that. But I loved being um, sitting at the base of this bell during my breaks. Um, there was just a lot of uh, strong, steady, Samantabhadra style energy to this bell. It announced when the practice day was beginning. It announced when the practice day was end ending, and it would be rung with this really big piece of uh, trimmed log that you would kind of throw would be too strong of a word, but like, you know, point towards would be too soft of a word. So you would strike it, I guess, but it took a lot of energy to do it. Uh, But it was also located in a part of the campus where a lot of the sunshine would be. So, you know, during the day uh, when you want to take a break and, you know, enjoy the sun, I would always I would often find myself um soaking in the sun and sitting at the foot of this bell and just kind of letting it uh support me and all of its practice enthusiasm that was in this bell that I could really feel. Okay, so then what is the January intensive? Uh the January intensive is uh essentially like a three-week session, uh if for folks that know Zen terminology. Uh what a session is basically a period where you're you're focusing on the practice of zazen and what does that mean uh, and uh, and making that the central matter of what you're doing on a day to day basis. Uh, it's slightly more relaxed during the first two weeks. It's a uh, and then in the last five days it escalates toward it being um, a more intense, more formal session. The basic schedule is uh, you wake up at 4.30 a.m., you start sitting at 5 a.m., and then you continue alternating sitting with walking meditation for most of the morning, unless there's a class. Uh, Then there's formal meals in the Zendo uh, for breakfast and lunch that are preceded by services, just a break in the afternoon and then you do a two-hour work period There's another little break and more sitting and walking meditation then a more informal dinner which during the last week becomes a formal dinner um, and then more sitting more walking meditation and then you go to bed at 8:30 and then you do it again the next day and that's you just get in that rhythm and that's and uh, you uh, you sort of relax into that dive dive into that kind of schedule um you're encouraged to be using functional speech if you're talking uh well during uh, as much for as much of the day as possible until dinner time where there's kind of a really cute moment where somebody will hit the clackers and say good evening and then everybody starts chatting away together uh, For the culminating, like, five-day session, it's really simply just additional sitting periods during the day. (laughs) It just means you're sitting more, talking less, and and dinner is in the Zendo rather than kind of the more informal chatting in the dining hall. Uh, So how was the experience for me personally? Uh, I really felt like I was thriving in that kind of environment. Um, uh, My mind body connection really felt very at home in that kind of structure. It was a structure that really made sense uh, to my body, to my mind. I think now that I've had a couple weeks to look back on it, I think I took it on a little bit more hardcore than I, than was perhaps necessary. Uh, But I think also, that that's probably what I wanted or else I would have done it differently. I think that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to, you know, uh, get the absolute most out of it and do it as much as it could be done. I really loved the sitting. Uh, the sitting. I really loved the clarity and simplicity of the schedule. I loved um, my my mantra going into it, you know, after getting advice from, folks here at ancient dragon about how to approach it was show up early and follow the schedule i basically adopted the the schedule as my teacher uh, while i was there and that was a really uh, robust experience for me i really felt like myself um and following that schedule is is You know, it's it's a really simple idea, but it's also a really big challenge. You know, like there's not it's not complicated, but to get into the rhythm of meeting it uh, throughout the day is kind of like riding a horse or learning how to ride a bike or something like that. Um, With the added bonus of you know meeting your crying inner child at times, and you know that that when you're Staring at the wall fourteen times a day, so um, but i it uh, I think for me, so much of my life, I'm wondering, you know is this a worthwhile task like is what's the point of me doing this, and what about if I did something else, and is this actually important? and I didn't really feel that way when I was at the intensive at Green Gulch, like the point felt very clear to me. Uh, it wasn't always fun, but it was very direct. It was very incisive. And, you know, that insistence on meeting yourself uh, has always felt important to me. I think it's part of what attracts me to Zen practice. Um, And sometimes that's a relaxing thing to meet yourself. And sometimes it's a very joyous thing to meet yourself. Um, But, you know, I don't think I have to tell anybody who's meditated before sometimes that can be painful as well. Um and that that's that's the that's the journey of it. That's the the um that's the practice of it's is, is meeting that. And you know, meeting those painful parts, accepting them, getting to know them, becoming friends with them, uh is I think, you know, that's that's to me is what makes it obvious to me that it that it's important, that it's worth doing. That, that that's why it feels clear to me that it doesn't feel like a waste of time because um,
1: uh, meeting yourself as uh, it goes beyond yourself.
0: Uh, the biggest challenge for me was probably the first, I think, three or four days, uh, and it's mostly physically. Uh, it really became obvious to me that my body was not in top sitting shape very quickly. Uh, I, have you know, sat every day for about five years, but especially during the pandemic, I was sitting 30 minutes pretty comfortably in a chair and I realized <laughs> once I got into the Zendo at Green Gulch, that that was, it, it was very important to me to sit in seize a position, which is, um, sitting, like it's a kneeling, um, position on the floor with a, usually with a special kind of bench. And I I felt very committed to doing this entire intensive with, you know, not that much cushion support and this stays a bench. Like I really wanted a sort of bare bones approach like that. And I figured out pretty quickly once I got into the Zendo that my body, uh, it was going to take some, uh, it takes some special effort to get my body there the first three or four days were pretty memorably painful (laughs) um you know when when you, you you haven't trained your body to do that um and i think the uh the meals especially i think were the hardest part for me at the beginning because uh i think in america especially like we have the, we have a little bit of escapism tied into meals, you know, like, oh, it's, you know, like when we're working, when's my lunch break? You know, and you can go off and get a sandwich and come back to the office afterward. And so there's a little bit of this idea of like when, you know, the, the meal is going to be the break. And so when I'm, <laughs> I had that kind of mentality for the first couple of days when I was sitting, I was like, okay, this is really challenging and my legs are really hurting, but hey, breakfast is coming up. You know, that's going to be, that's gonna be nice and it's actually more difficult than the sitting because you eat in a style called oreoki st- style which is basically zazen as eating in a very particular kind of ritual that's been honed for about a thousand years uh, that you so you basically have to be more focused in that than you can be when you're sitting like sometimes you're you can kind of drift a little bit while you're sitting, but you know, everybody's watching each other eat <laughs> and nobody wants to drop anything. And there's very particular points to bow and you're doing the whole thing in a meditation posture anyway. So you're not really getting a break from that either. So that was a big hurdle for me. The first couple of days is like anticipating that this break was happening and having it was absolutely not. Uh, so I had a kind of a rocky relationship with Orioki initially that turned into a very loving one um once i my body kind of adjusted Uh, but that was initially really difficult Um, one of the things i also loved was the the relief of the break and it sounds kind of obvious but uh in america there's i think such a pervasive attitude of the importance of being productive with our time and Especially post-pandemic, I think our workspaces can be kind of hybrid all the time, where you can be kind of maybe working on something whenever you're awake. Like that possibility is open. You can be working at home or working in the office whenever you're on the internet. So there's the idea of having a clean break on something. Is, feels a little awkward, and then sometimes I feel there's a little bit of sense of guilt of like, oh, I'm taking a break, but I should be doing this. And during the intensive. Like when you're just following the schedule, when it's time for a break, that's, that's it. You know, you just take a nap and that's like you, your instruction is <laughs> go take a nap now. And then that, and the clarity of that just felt so nice. Um, and so, you know, when you take a when it's time for a break, I just took a nap or went for a walk or sat under a tree or ate an apple. And then, and that really helped me that clarity of that distinction really made it much easier to commit wholeheartedly to going to the classes and going to the sittings and, and being able to put everything I had physically and, uh, and, um, stamina wise into completing the session. Uh, another thing I really love is I'm definitely a morning person. And so getting up early and sitting at 5.00 AM, uh, uh, was really exciting. I think that was actually, I think the first thing that attracted me to Zen practice when I heard about it. When my dad was like, "Hey, I'm going to wake up early and go into Cambridge to go to the Cambridge Zen Center," I felt like waking up early to go meditate. What, like, the, I don't know. I just felt like it had this really inspiring energy to it, and so I really loved, like, you know, the 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 the, the passion of you know somebody running around with a bell at four thirty in the morning to get everybody ready to go have a zazen party at 5 a.m um is it it's just uh i really loved that uh and it's also fascinating that looking you know i look at the schedule now and it looks rigorous and intense but especially when you get like you know, 20 days into it, it just starts feeling like that's the way that time works now. It doesn't feel particularly special. It just feels like, and I think I've, and I know I've read some some things where Shunryu Suzuki talks about this, about when folks come to the temple and observe monks doing their thing. I think it's special and strange in some way, but the monks that are at the temple are just like, this is just day-to-day life. And that, I, 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 I felt that kind of energy when once you've gotten to the rhythm of it, that it just – your consciousness and your body just adjusts to that being the rhythm of day-to-day life now, and it doesn't feel particularly extraordinary in any way. Um, let's see. So uh, my plan was just to go there and follow the schedule, and that if I did that, then I would consider it a success. But, um the thing is that the intensive finds a way to to throw curveballs at everybody like there's you can't really take a back seat when you're doing it they if it's a if, I think if it's a well run session, they find ways the folks that are organizing it the practice leaders find ways to make sure that everybody's on their toes um which was a surprise to me. I didn't really have expect that, but you know like the first day I was there. I was announced to be on, that I was on the show 10 list and I didn't even know what that was. But, and I was like, wait, I have a job. I just got, it. I thought, you know, I thought I was just getting here and sitting all the time. So that that really threw me for a loop. Um, and the show 10 is the person that rings that big bell in the morning to, uh, and in the evening, which I really love doing. But I was initially a little bit cranky about that. I like, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm barely ready to sit and, you know, it's like, you know, I have, I've, I've got, I'm, you know, I have to listen for the sound of the striking of a match to know that that's when I go to the front of the Zendo to hit a drum, you know, and it's like, so they really will throw you, you know, into, into the, the deep end. Um, and I think being ready to be uncomfortable like that is part of the experience and to so trust that you can do it and that they will, they wouldn't give you the job if you couldn't do it, uh, was a big part of it. So not just that, but you know, not just being a show team, but you know, I helped do the composting and shoveling all this, literally all this crap, <laughs> to, like mm-hmm. on from one pile onto another pile and, uh, out in the farm and, uh, serving during uh, the meals and doing all the dishes and not all the dishes, but some of the dishes. And, uh, you know, it just teaches you how much flexibility is central to doing that kind of practice. And it made me think of us here at Ancient Dragon, honestly, that like when, uh, and, and I think that was when I was there, I remember this being, this is the thing I want to tell folks when I come back from Ancient Dragon is like, everybody trying to figure out who's going to be chanting at the service two days from now is like, that's, that's it. Like that, like that, it's like that at Green Gulch. It's like that here. And that flexibility of like, Oh, you know, typically, you know, David raised the techno on Sundays, but he has to do a thing over here. So I mean, somebody else has to do this has to do that. And who's going to fill up that gap. And we should have a couple more people be techno like those kinds of conversations that that's, that's not us, just us or the ancient dragon. That's, that's the heartbeat of the Buddha way is, is, People trying to figure out how to how to keep that heartbeat going and how to distribute it in a way that's sustainable and enriches everybody and supports everybody. Um and maybe everybody knows that or people that have practiced a long time have known that, but I honestly only have my experience here at Ancient Dragon, you know, like the one we practiced here and now the um, green gulch. Uh, okay it's eight twenty five i I want to just get a sense of or maybe I should ask higan uh, how you know if we're leaving time for questions how am i doing uh you're doing great just uh you can talk for another five minutes or so and
2: then uh hear comments and responses okay perfect
0: so um i'll throw i, I think I wanted to talk about two people in particular uh, and then a couple of stories and then i'll wrap up. Uh, I want to talk about Ruben because he was there with me. I mean, I was there with everybody that was doing the session, but Ruben's a um, a practitioner here at Ancient Dragon. Um, And we were kind of the folks that knew each other before, like came together from Ancient Dragon. And uh, it was just so touching to practice with him and have that experience with him, have, with somebody from ancient dragon, I felt like there was so, almost like a, we, everybody thought we were related when we were around, you know, like everybody thought we were brothers and we together all the time and, and talk all the time. And he would, you know, when I would be, uh, have stresses or fears. Um, cause he, this is all, you know, he's done a lot of these kinds of things and he's practiced at Tassahara And so he's got, a lot more experience on this than i do um but he we he was just such a wonderful support and uh and his his a uh, sense of humor and lightness and and really deep respect for the 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 relationship of 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 zaza of uh communication and uh, i just it was it meant a lot uh i don't know if he's Sometimes we'll hear this. I've already told him, but he—he uh, he was. Uh, it really felt like there was a, a special kind of dharma relationship that we built by doing that together that I really treasure. And then the other person I just highlight briefly was uh, Sonia. Is Sonia? Uh, uh, she is a priest there, practice leader there, and is Reb's assistant. Um, and she was really she, <laughs> she sat next to me and uh at, for the entire session for the entire intensive and she really uh really supported me in a really profound way uh she we, we, she just supported me so much not even with not even through talking to me most of the time it was just when I, I could, when she could tell that I was kind of trying to remember what Oreoki was at the beginning, she, you know, we did this little dance of the oreo procedure and she just kept doing it with me over and over again. And, um, and, uh, and she could tell when I was a little bit distraught about something and would chat with me and I had a really wonderful practice discussion with her that, uh, Helped kind of do a couple of turning points for me in my practice uh, And so I didn't. you know, it was only three weeks But it was sort of a, a relationship that I think is gonna stick with me for a while after she, uh, Very deeply and I think she had a really big impact on me Continues to have a big impact on me So, okay, a few fun stories. I'm gonna try to tell these quickly uh, so we chanted the Ehe Kosahots man. and I should tell you why we did it, is because the intensive was led by Tension Rev Anderson, who is uh uh Taigen, Taigen's, uh teacher. And before every class he would have us chant the Ehe Koso Hotsu Ganman. and uh so we chanted this over and over and over again, and it became very inspiring to me. Um, uh, and and I I remember at some point feeling like I wanted to take it home with me um and so uh i went up to valerian who was the eno and i said valerian i, I want to is it possible for me to take home the chant card for Ehe Hoso and bring it back with me to chicago and he kind of looked a little confused at me for a second and was you know just didn't expect that question i was like uh sure i guess yeah it's it was a little surprised by the question and so when it came time when we chanted it for the last time, I took the chant card and walked out of the classroom with it. But I started to feel weird about it almost instantly. Like I was kind of stealing it or something, or taking it. You know, it wasn't really offered to me. I kind of I started overthinking. I'm like I'm just kind of I don't think I should take this. <laughs> you know, it's like that feeling in like Indiana Jones or something when like you you start walking out of the. And you're like, wait a minute, something this doesn't feel right. And Sonia saw me with the chant card as I was walking out. And she says she told me, Dylan, you have your chant card. You got it, you know, just as if I like, had forgotten to give it back. And I said, Oh no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm taking it. Uh, you know, Valerian. You know, we said I have to take it home. She was like, "Oh well, you know, I could give it to you or send it to you over email." Yeah, I could. And she just started chanting it to me immediately, which was really charming. <laughs> but I, and now I really felt like I should give it back because <laughs> she, she she wanted to give she wanted to give me the gift of giving it to me, and I already and I had this copy of it that I felt like I was kind of stealing. So now I had to figure out how to give it back so that I could accept the gift from her. So I had to find. So then I've tried to concoct a way to give it back on, give it, put it back on the pile. But then when I went back to the classroom, the pile was gone. So there's no pile anymore for me to rectify this. So now I was stuck with this chant card <laughs> that I didn't want to have anymore. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the dining room and feeling a little bit. Just you know how am I going to solve this you know, dharmically uh, so I can feel settled in my Dharma, and Valerian walks into the dining room and and oh perfect, okay, so I went up to Valerian and I said, Valerian, okay, I know I asked for this chant card, but I kind of feel like I'm taking it rather than it being you know like I feel like i I'm trying to steal it or something, and Sonia wants to email it to me and so i want to received that gift so i'm wondering if i can give you back this chant card or the, or you, huh? and he like looked at me and was very like um uh, he thought it was really funny um which i understand now and, and he took the chant took the chant card and he held it up to me and he said will you please take this
1: chant
0: card <laughs> <laughs> back, back to Chicago? And I, and, I said, yeah. and I said yes, so this is, this is the chant card. Um, which I can pass around. Oh, I wanted to pass around something else, too. There was this um, one of my friends there, uh, Kat. She had a great name. Kat Moon is her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, she was an artist, and she, she made all of these little pieces of art for everybody that went on the um intensive to take home so i took this one because the sitting was really the most powerful thing for me and there's this little rabbit that's snoozing, and there was this older gentleman who would fall asleep during zazen all the time uh when we were in there and, I, and so i found that really charming uh so um, we'll pass it around. um there's two other stories but I don't think they're as funny as that one that I just told. So I'll, I'll save them if I need to use them during the Q. Um So, okay, would I, would I go again? Uh, definitely. Uh, I would pack differently. I, I felt like I packed very sparingly, but I ended up not needing about two-thirds of the things that I brought, and I needed things that I didn't bring. But um, I would also connect more with family if I did it again. I, I think I, I really kind of cut myself off from – The grid and didn't turn my phone on for three weeks, and I think I would change that um, if I if I did it again, not to like dive into the (laughs) Internet again, but just to be a little bit more available to my family. Um, And I would also just say finally that like the effect on me on this now that it's been a couple of weeks is not really what I expected. Um, I expected to feel like really settled now and resolute and decisive and clear about where I was going next in my life. And actually now I feel very like immersed in this mysterious pivot, Uh like knowing that I'm in this process of figuring out what this next chapter of my life is, but it's actually feels really uncomfortable. <laughs> and it feels like the ground is moving kind of everywhere. And, and, I'm, you know, and it, it feels close by, but it's not as much, it's not as much fun <laughs> as I wanted it to be. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I think that's what time it is for me to do. And I really know that that intensive made it possible for me to grieve this moment in my life and make those decisions. Um, So I'm really grateful for it. Um, And I'm really grateful to to everybody here um, and everybody in the Sangha because I really, I really was touching how much support and encouragement um, to do it. There was. So thank you very much. And yeah, questions,
1: comments. If you're in the room, just speak up because you won't I, mean, I can't see you. If you're online, you can raise your hand or wave at me, and I will see that you can make a comment. I, should. I was uh, just wondering what your reentry was like when you left. Um,
0: but thank you for the talk. It was, it was yeah. a wonderful, wonderful set of uh, memories for both for me. It, uh, reentry was very strange. Um, I, I think the so the immediate reentry of you know uh, Tim, my my friend Tim uh, drove me and, and someone else out of Green Gulch into the city, and I stayed at my friend Chloe's place overnight to get me to the train. But the feeling of going from you know, this place where there was barely electricity into, like, seeing all the flashing lights of the city again after, like, three weeks was very disoriented <laughs> initially, and it felt like everything was loud and busy, and, like, uh uh so I think learning how to keep the, not keep, but bring the presence of mind that I felt was easy there to how much, like, to to uh, the places where all the business transactions and arguments and, uh, you know, landlords and uh, sports updates and CNN and, you know, nuclear potentialities and wars and stuff was uh, 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 a challenge that I'm still kind of figuring out, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I think um, it was also... It kind of made the world like the busy world, I guess I would call it like all fresh as well, you know where it was it kind of uh exciting to see the the rhythm and the energy of of everything happening you know versus how kind of uh, calm and it is to just be a agreed know that would be the only context that you're in um so I guess that would be. The inspiring part about it was that you know uh being seeing everybody uh, and everything very animated uh, was um, felt like, felt like a new a renewed
1: kind of joy at seeing that but strange
0: <laughs> mostly strange. When we finished the practice period was sort of a general announcement not to make any life-changing decisions for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was good advice. Yeah. Ruben gave me that advice too. <laughs> I, I think they didn't give us that as an announcement, but I think I was, I was trying to like figure out what, like I was, uh, you know, uh, trying to figure out what I was going to tell my family and what I was going to tell Amber and what the uh, what the first couple of days were going to be like. And that's what he told me. It was like, <laughs> it's going to feel like a lot of big emotions. Just, you know, yeah, don't make any of those big decisions immediately. Um, I appreciated being able to kind of focus on with a number of teachers, including Sonia. Um, did you talk to, who did you talk to? Uh, I talked to Reb and I talked to Sonia. Um, and uh, that, yeah, those are the two that I, I felt like I, I needed to do. Um, uh, I think, I think I'll keep the conversation with Red private, but the, what I talked with Sonia about was, um, <laughs> it was funny, like how quickly will you end up talking about is the thing that is really more important than what you came in there with. Like I, I came in there talking about like I was getting frustrated that I I people kept talking when I didn't want to be talking. <laughs> like uh I was like, people are, you know, like starting conversations with me and I really just want to be in functional speech and I don't know how to I don't want to be rude with people. Like, you know, and that's what I led the the practice in like discussion with. But then quickly it turned into, I feel like I've been using everybody my whole life to like get validation from them about like me being a good person. I'm not actually like meeting anybody. I'm just like squeezing this validation out of folks. And I feel like that's maybe I could change that, you know, and it's just like, how did I get there that, that, that quickly? Um, so yeah, I talked with Sonia and I talked with Brad. What are some
1: things that, yeah, they are probably not still waking up at 4.30 and, you know, following the strict thing. But what are some things that you're trying to, like, keep going now that you're kind of back into the
0: rhythm of regular life? Um, I don't think. Well, I, I do want to, I think, an effort that I'm trying is uh, maybe not wake up at 4.30, but be creative earlier in the day. Like I just I I think that I'm naturally a morning person and that I can write and sit and you know um, get that get that um, uh, get get the ball rolling for my like contribution to what the day can be early on. So I I'd say that's something I have been trying to work on recently. Is like can I be in front of the like can I be typing at eight or at seven? You know. Uh And so that's been something i am trying to keep forward, uh, bring forward. Um,
1: I think also
0: this sort of everyday mind of it of, of you know, not feeling like like the, the, the place is is powered by zazen, so it's easy to have that just be the everyday, mind just you know the the simplicity of zazen being how you interact with the world and not anything special in particular uh i i I think that's an effort i'm working with right now like how to not make uh you know when i'm doing something that doesn't feel like it's zen related to be a little bit more relaxed and accepting that you know, this, my life is happening all the time, (laughs) whether I want it to or not, and then, like, and just uh, have a little bit more of a relaxed everyday attitude about Zen and my practice uh, and, and the practice rather than having, like, a compartmentalized, like, here's the moment when I'm doing Zen and here's when I'm doing
1: other stuff. Thanks Brian.
2: Yeah, Brian. Hey, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yep. Dylan, I absolutely love that you really connected with the big bell <laughs> mm-hmm. because as a drummer, I've been in love with sound my whole life, gongs and cymbals. And uh to me that connecting with that that kind of sound um is a a different kind of connection you know it's a non it's almost bodhidharma like you know beyond words and letters um but that's not by it's just that's just a comment i love i love that connection you made with that and and I completely empathize so in a way i my you already answered my larger question what it was gonna be, which was sort of using bell language uh what continues to resonate for you. Mm-hmm from that whole experience, you know, like you just, you're walking around now here and something just comes into your awareness from that experience. What, has there been a predominant thing that, but you've already kind of answered that question already, but so. Uh,
0: yes. So I'll answer that. But the first thing I want to comment on is that uh, your comment about the bell is, yeah, that's, I think you and I both really connect with music. Like music is a very important part, a very big Dharma gate for me. And so a koan or a, a gate that I really work with is like, how, how do I hear everything as if it's music that I really love? You know, like, and I know there's fields of music theory that are, you know, talking about the artificial separation between music and not music. Um, so that's, and I think about that, or I don't, i try trying to think about it, but. I try to have that, do that presencing when I'm sitting of hearing everything like it's music. Uh, So that's probably an aspect of why the bell was a big deal for me. Um, What's resonating for me now is, or continues to resonate for me now, would be... uh, I think the relationship building, um, like I, I, this is one of the, one, th- one kind of silly thing that I did, but I don't regret is on the last day I got a little notebook and I went up to as many people as I could and I said, will you sign my intensive yearbook? <laughs> and so I got like little messages from, from all the friends that I made and, you know, uh, their, their name and signatures. Um, and I think I did that because I really value you know the, the 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 relationship aspect of practice, um, and I love that you can run into somebody you know that you did a practice period with four years ago, and it's like you know your old friends. If you haven't run into each other again, there's kind of a a bond there that um, just stays with you. So I think uh, I've felt more of a draw, a drive to take care of the friendships in my life. Um, you know, I'm starting to really think about who are the, who are the close friends that I have that I haven't called recently, you know? Uh so I, I think that's probably resonating.
2: Nice. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Dylan, for uh, bringing Green Ghost back to us. Uh, uh, Wonderful. Uh, If there's no other comments or questions, we can do the closing chant.